I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're discussing Libeled Lady, the 1936 screwball comedy starring Jean Harlow, William Powell, Myrna Loy, and Spencer Tracy. In it, the New York Evening Star accuses wealthy socialite Connie Allenbury of being a homewrecker, but she files a $5 million libel lawsuit. The star's editor, Warren Haggerty, decides to turn the tables on her by setting her up to be discredited. Soon he convinces his fiancée, the long-suffering Gladys Benton, and his former reporter, charming ne'er-do-well Bill Chandler, to get in on the scheme. What they don't plan on... <laughs> i That was my own touch. <laughs> what they don't plan on is that Connie and Bill fall in love, which of course leads to amusing chaos. Oh my god. yeah amusing chaos (laughs) i have to say this is one of the best casts i've seen since like Mm -hmm. the philadelphia story (laughs) yes absolutely like every single one of them shines i think in their own like in their own way i don't know how i did not i have not seen this movie because this seems like entirely in my wheelhouse and i'm so happy that you suggested (laughs) yeah we watched it one time about i guess it was about just about two years ago when we were like on a road trip back to illinois and we stayed in this airbnb that had a smart tv and hbo max and they were like here and like feel free to watch hbo max and so we were like what should we watch and of course we picked this movie um, <laughs> of everything that was on hbo max and so we and so i hadn't seen it since then that was the first time i'd seen it and so it felt like taking a little bit of a vacation to watch it yes i agree it it didn't like i didn't know what to expect and then i just found it purely delightful i'm getting ahead of myself though <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do have some trivia about this film. So originally, Rosalind Russell was supposed to play Connie. Oh, my God. And yeah, she would have been good, though, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Lionel Barrymore was supposed to be her father. Uh, That would have been a very different movie. I know. That's what I I like Lionel Barrymore, but I don't see him in that role. <laughs> it was like cut like just too goofy. Mm-hmm. So Harlow and Powell were an off screen couple, mm-hmm. and Harlow wanted to play the role of Connie as well, mm-hmm. so that her character and Powell's would end up together. Uh-huh. But MGM insisted that the film had to be another Powell Lloyd vehicle Mm. and harlow had only she had already signed on for the film so she basically just had to settle for the role of gladys Uh she still got top billing and she got to play the wedding scene with pal so that was sort of the consolation yeah she got top billing we noticed that when we were watching this we're like how was jean harlow top billing in this yeah that well that was the other thing that myrna loy was third billing even though she was supposed to be kind of the main character of the movie but that all that stuff with like who's listed first was is so wonky based Mm -hmm. on like how much money people are making and yeah you know like sexism and like all kinds of stuff so 
It's not that surprising. That little thing called sexism. Uh, While shooting, the four stars became really good friends. And William Powell usually didn't like to like hang out with people in between scenes. But he in this movie, he actually came out of his dressing room and just spent time with people. Um, And apparently one of the big jokes was a running gag that Spencer Tracy played on Myrna Loy claiming that she had broken his heart because she had recently married the producer Arthur Hornblow Jr. Mm-hmm. And he, he set up an I hate Hornblow table in the studio commissary reserved for men who claimed to have been jilted by Loy. Oh my God, which, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, that leads nicely into my next piece of trivia, which is that the rumor is that Loy and Tracy had an affair during the shooting of this film. Uh... Which they didn't have like a ton of scenes together, but when they did, it was like pretty crackling. (laughs) So they definitely had chemistry and like they weren't supposed to like each other in this movie, but it was pretty obvious there was some kind of tension or something. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. And I know. I mean, who hasn't Spencer Tracy slept with is the other question. (laughs) Also, that. The film was nominated for the 1936 Oscar for Best Picture, but it lost to Mutiny on the Bounty. What? And it it also has the distinction of being nominated for Best Picture, but no other nominations, which oh. is um, unusual. Uh, so, Hill, who did you bio for this movie? So I bioed two people because we've already, for previous films, I think we've bioed all of those main four but one of the things that I noticed in this movie is that, like, one of the first scene, we see Haggerty's butler, who is, mm-hmm. I think he's supposed to be a Chinese man based on his name, which is Cheng, played by a Japanese American. Um, and then Gladys has a, a maid that that is played by an African-American actress. So I was interested in both of their careers um and they both of course because because you mentioned sexism i'm gonna mention uh white supremacy they didn't have very long illustrious careers and of course they're not very well documented on the internet so yeah um so briefly um so the butler was played by Otto Yama, Yamaoka, who was born in Seattle, Washington, on April 25th, 1904. His family, which included um, a sister named Iris, uh, moved to Los Angeles in the 1920s. Both Otto and Iris were interested in acting, and both ended up playing a lot of a variety of smaller roles. And they did have a, another sibling who named George, who became a prominent lawyer. Otto was one of only a handful of Japanese descended actors working in Hollywood um, during the time that he was working. His career ended around 1940 when he started working as an importer in the Los Angeles Los Angeles area. And it was about that time, of course, the United States opened internment camps and the whole family was sent to the Heart Mountain internment camp in Wyoming during mm. the entire war. That obviously disrupted uh, his career and, and yes. of course their whole life. And then he ultimately died on June 5th, 1967. And then Gladys's maid was played by an actress named Libby Taylor, who was born on April 20th, 1902 in Chicago. The story goes that while she was working as a struggling actress in Harlem, 
Mae West offered to um, make her her personal maid. And so that was sort of her way into the Hollywood elite. And then Mae West went on to um, get her, get Libby some roles in Hollywood films, sort of helped her get her career, of course, because she was an African-American actress and racism was was rampant then uh, as it is now she played a lot of maids and but she did work um pretty consistently through the 1930s and through through the 50s um she had a stroke in 1955 um and died on august 23rd 1961 well i i love that you brought light to those actors who really didn't get enough screen time they both like were basically played for laughs with the lines that they had Mm -hmm. yeah that was good i was yeah i i know that we've done all the rest of i didn't know if we had done gene harlow i think we did a long time ago i'm gonna have to go back into the archives while we're talking so we can (laughs) (laughs) well i believe you (laughs) yes but i want to know when we did her (laughs) it it definitely must have been a while ago because i didn't i was thinking what other movie have we done that she's been in but i'm sure we have at some point uh so what were your overall thoughts it's I mean, it sounds like you're positive on this. Yeah, I would say overall, my I'm positive about this. I feel very positive about this movie. My one complaint is that it it doesn't I don't think it passes the Bechtel test because it's just all about like marriage and yeah. Um, and the only time that the two main characters talk to each other is is absolutely about the men. So yeah, that that's true. I, that scene at the end when Connie tries to talk to Gladys mm-hmm. I was thinking oh that maybe this could go in an interesting direction because mm-hmm. these are really dynamic characters and then it was just like yeah no like men and relationships and yeah. you really love this person yeah and really I the Gladys like the ending where they were like no Gladys you have to realize you really do love this guy Haggerty was so awful to her that I didn't like an ending where she ended up back with him mm-hmm. absolutely it like doesn't work out nicely for her at all no <laughs> although I did appreciate that there were moments where she was like she did try not to be like a total doormat, which like even as she was kind of being like put all over the pl- place, she did like say like this, like, I'm not going to let you leave me at the altar again. Like, this is ridiculous to the best of her ability. She wasn't like a, do- a total doormat. Yeah, I she did. I just wish she had gone further. Yeah. <laughs> and how terrifying is it that like there's the idea that you could get a divorce and then you know she ended up realizing that it had been false like later on it had been discounted but you could get a divorce by mail and then like a couple years later they could be like well we changed the law so all the divorces that were obtained this way are now null and void isn't that like Partly the plot, what was that other movie that we watched that was like a similar plot where it was like everybody who got married in this town in this year. Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's right. We moved the, (laughs) 
we moved the county line and so like yes these technicalities we're like wait a second <laughs> and that man was traveling all over the country to find the couples and stuff. <laughs> seems like a pretty specific technicality yeah i mean i feel like that's the kind of thing where it's like you could make this a law going forward but you can't like make it retroactive forever <laughs> yeah yeah because people have moved on at this I point <laughs> i tipped my hand a bit but i i think it's safe to say that i really loved this movie and it's exactly the kind of movie I like from this period. Like the writing was really great. It was full of quips. Yes. And yeah. repartee. Like the jokes per minute were like really high. Yeah. And I liked all the performances. It was yeah. great. My first note for this movie was love Jean Harlow's dress, hate her eyebrows. <laughs> yes. 100% agree. Her wedding dress was absolutely fabulous. Yes, it was. I mean, there was a lot when you were like ticking off all the like the great things about this movie. I was like, and the fashion, like I, fashion is not really my thing, but like every last dress that anybody wore, I was like, that's fantastic. We need more of that. Yeah. And they, and for the Gladys character, they made a lot of bold choices. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, like the whole sleeves were made of fur or like all kinds of wacky things are going on with her style but yeah those I know that was the fashion at the time to have the really like heavily plucked brows and then just like a line but just it looked sort of like grotesque and she's very beautiful but I was just it was jarring every time I looked at her because it was Mm -hmm. so extreme yeah I just want a tiny bit of hair on your eyebrows to like catch the dust please (laughs) yeah I think it was worse because like you know Marlena Dietrich had her like a lot of the stars had them like that but because she's so blonde it just made it look like she had no eyebrows mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah what did you think of Myrna Loy's character and how when she first meets Bill on the ship she's like totally dismissive of him I mean that felt very real to me because like why would she like like be solicitous of him or like you know be overly friendly with him she's probably Connie Allenberry is probably used to people like trying to take advantage of her and trying to you know like get cozy with her and so she probably had to develop that as like a defense mechanism of like because she like then goes on to like she's positive that like that he doesn't know how to fish and that he's just like you know not a not being authentic or real which of course she's right he doesn't know how to fish he just like accidentally falls in the water and falls into some success um that scene the fishing scene was probably my favorite scene from the whole (laughs) oh yeah i mean we talked about it at length done watched this movie with me and it's just like this just classic comedy it's so good (laughs) yeah it was so ridiculous and i also like i think i'm more used to william powell roles where he's more like dry Mm -hmm. and like debonair and this was so slapsticky and i really enjoyed it like he he was hilarious oh that whole scene and like the way the father was yelling like walleye walleye (laughs) um but he'll never land him he'll never land him like i was like what is going on yeah although i will say that sadly like seeing this made me think as as an older person i could totally see myself taking up like fly fishing or something (laughs) like that (laughs) Because I like being in the woods. 
I, like I like being around the water. It seems very meditative, you know, like it's it's going to be that or bird watching. It's going to be one of those two. <laughs> or both, Emily. Or both. I mean, I guess you could do them at the same time, really. Yeah, that's right. That's funny. Out in your waders, you just have to get the, a swimming raft, like the swimming raft that they have that apparently has electricity and bed. Yeah, that I I I definitely wrote that that was hashtag goals. Yeah. <laughs> My life. That was my other favorite scene when they swim out there together. I just thought it was really romantic. And mm-hmm. I was surprised, like in a way, she kind of did put herself in a little bit of a compromising position with him because they like go night swimming in yeah. the in the lake or whatever it was. They go out to that dock where they're basically laying on a bed together in wet bathing suits listening to music and I was like clearly she's not concerned about him at that point because she's like totally comfortable doing that with him mm-hmm. so I don't know I guess the fishing scene was the turning point because it was like oh he actually can fish so he's not a liar therefore we can trust him mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it just went right to like now we are totally letting our guard down I mean if I were in the middle of a lake with William Powell I I would also put my guard down you see <laughs> <laughs> and um also the scene the next morning where she's making flapjack or I guess it was later that night when she was making flapjacks I thought was also really great because their back and forth Mm -hmm. was just totally crackling and like Mm -hmm. everything they said was not only hilarious but like very flirtatious yeah yes absolutely I and just the the idea of like she's got money coming out of her ears and yet she's like she's like yes I I have to make the flapjacks I was forced into it (laughs) it reminded me a lot of just that like the way that rich people are like where it's like we're rich but we have this like country estate where we can really be ourselves and like we hunt and fish and like play at camping and stuff like that it's like we're real people too because yeah like watching all the country scenes in the crown where they're like i've elizabeth is like i'm gonna go ride my horses but they're like million dollar thoroughbreds that i don't even i don't know what that is but um (laughs) in my in my bespoke riding boots and my (laughs) french coat or whatever i don't know yeah and then they judge people by that like you have to not only be like wealthy and well-bred and like have all the right mannerisms but you also have to be like a country person who is capable in those realms Mm -hmm. not never mind the fact that like when you go hunting a deer you have like five gamesmen coming with you to like yeah. help you pick the right rifle and stuff. yes those are just details Emily. yeah not important <laughs> yes what did you think about this movie in comparison to other screwball comedies you've watched or we've talked about on the podcast it reminded me of course a lot of like his girl friday because of the like fast talking newspaper men and the like the scheming like newsiness of it um mm-hmm. and I think it like stands up nicely to to his girl Friday and I mean I appreciated that there were two men and two women and there was you know like like even though it doesn't pass the Bechdel test like the women had a lot of lines they were like we don't know what Gladys does for a living but mm-hmm. you know they're relatively developed characters I think so there's, you know, good dialogue, interesting characters. Yeah, I agree. They both were developed and had agency. And 
I think it's so it's an interesting comparison to his girl because I was thinking more like bringing up baby and that's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when sc- screwball goes too far that I'm just like this is ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like I can only suspend my disbelief so far this was like a more mm-hmm. believable plot to me mm-hmm. and I you know I love a fast talking newspaper man <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but like I liked the journalism of his girl Friday better because mm-hmm. it was like ethical journalism where they were like oh this person's gonna be executed mm-hmm. and we're trying to get the real story and he wasn't actually a murderer and all of that and this was just like like it more seemed more like a gossip rag then mm-hmm. i was thinking about it like that it seemed like the new york post or something like that where they were doing sensational stories. You could tell that Spencer Tracy's character really had no respect for Connie and just just because she was rich and a woman was like, you know, thought she was an idiot, basically. Yeah, Yeah, and he basically says like, oh, she has nothing in her head, blah, 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 based on nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of the the journalism stuff, that made me like the other movie better. But I Mm -hmm. like the dialogue of this movie better. Yeah. Yeah, I found myself trying to like translate a bunch of things into like the present day, like, oh, what would the newspaper be? Where like, what is it like People Magazine? Is that what we're talking about? And like, what is $5 million in 2023? And like $5 million of 1936 money. What does that translate? Yeah. It's just like an outrageous sum of money. Well, it reminded, not to like bring it back to the Royals again, but (laughs) it reminded me of all the stuff with the tabloids and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and how the like they were just printing lies about them but the Mm -hmm. the policy of the royal family was like we just don't respond to everything Mm -hmm. and it and that people must have thought it was audacious that she actually brought that huge libel suit Mm -hmm. you know I guess what you're supposed to do is just have like stiff upper lip and just carry on but I liked that she actually responded to it Mm -hmm. yeah and I was like absolutely not this is not okay what did you think of the actual romance slash relationship between Connie and Bill part of me didn't take it too seriously just because it's like a screwball comedy but part of me was like oh it's kind of sweet that they're like like clearly time has passed and they're like like he's sneaking out to spend time with her i like that yeah i like that too i just i wondered if part of it like first of all how did he know how to like fit in with all that upper crust stuff yeah if that i mean maybe we'll get into this with like social but I don't know the class stuff in this was weird like there was like an absence of class acknowledgement and I just thought Mm. it would have been challenging for him to just slide into that role Mm -hmm. not it like um, it seemed like he was not from that class like even the fact that they went to dinner and everyone was wearing tails like who just has tails (laughs) yeah has has enough tails to like go to multiple dinners and then even when she found out that he wasn't really being truthful she just seemed kind of okay with it so I didn't know if it uh, I guess I was confused a little bit about that part at the end where like she finds out that he's married and then instead of confronting him about it she's just like marry me Mm -hmm. and is that because she just 
she wanted him regardless of that or she didn't believe it or what right it seems like he had like he must have had like a very frank conversation with her to just be like here's the like let me get on the level with you and she was she just was enough in love with him that because she said something along the lines of you know you just gotta like follow your heart and like do anything for love or whatever she says that to like gladys to convince her to like take yeah that that and the ending was like the biggest stretch for me that it was like oh i'm just i'm this rich american heiress and i'm marrying someone who's basically been lying about who they are you know i just thought that that would have created bigger problems than the movie actually yeah i mean it seems like yeah it seemed to me like the movie was kind of like got to a certain point and then they're like okay how are we gonna end this oh yeah (laughs) Are we gonna wrap? Um, yeah, and even the way that it ended was like inconclusive. It was like, well, technically we're still married, but we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. we need a sequel where Gladys <laughs> kicks Haggerty to the curve and mm-hmm. then has a successful fashion business. That's, I love that. Sounds that's what good. I want to say. That sounds good. I'd watch that movie. Um, there were so many good lines in this movie. Hill, I wrote so many of them down. Like, how do you know how a house detective talks? That was the first one that I wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I liked when they were saying, like, they'd throw that case out. And then Gladys was like, not if I wear blue. (laughs) And I laughed out loud at when Spencer Tracy says, she never tried the morgue for me. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good line. I know. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She never tried the morgue for me. (laughs) Oh, the other dynamic that i thought was really good in this movie was between powell and tracy like Mm -hmm. the scenes where they were going back and forth were so good they were just Mm -hmm. dynamite like they were both really good actors and they just had great dialogue and i could have watched them all day yes absolutely yeah i mean i could watch them like read read the phone book to each other (laughs) it was i rarely like because i'm I'm such a Katherine Hepburn person. I rarely see, like, watch movies of his where it's just I him. <laughs> Is he a good actor without uh, Katherine Hepburn? I guess this movie proves con- conclusively that, yes, he's interesting without her. Yes, I think so. Yeah, because he, he's someone that, like, I typically would mostly find appealing in within the context of Hepburn. <laughs> But I did think in this movie that he was good. And I remember when I bioed him that one of the things I read was that people viewed him as like an actor's actor. Mm-hmm. Like he was very well respected as someone who was like highly skilled and talented in the acting field. And like you could see that he was a pro in yeah. this. Yeah, totally. I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Did we? So do you think we're ready to talk about, well, we kind of talked about Bechtel. Yeah, that it just doesn't pass Bechtel. Yeah, it just doesn't. Even though it has two well-developed female lead characters, Mm -hmm. it does not. And it doesn't, well, one thing 
<laughs> Much like the last movie we watched, the yeah. woman proposes to the man in this movie, which is kind of oh, nice. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So that's funny that we've we've seen a couple of movies where that happened. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make it a feminist movie, but it's yeah. I still thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Kind of turns the tables a little yeah. bit. A tiny bit, a teeny tiny bit. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. What did you think about, like, social justice themes in it? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about just, like, the class piece of it, or the lack of class. You know, that there there appears to be uh, some class differences. Like, Connie and her family are clearly, like, the wealthiest people in this movie. Yeah. So it's not really, like a problem um or a challenge for Chandler for um for William Powell's character which is sort of an interesting like like you said it kind of brings up some questions of like how does he know what to do yeah I wonder if that's like a supposed to be seen as like an American thing that like all these people can mix and Mm -hmm. it's sort of like plausible that they could be in the same space and interact with one another yeah i didn't i didn't think there was much going on there and earlier in the movie it seemed like they were trying to make a point a little bit that connie and her dad were a little bit rude and like self-absorbed as rich people like when he Mm -hmm. was on the boat with them Mm -hmm. and they didn't even pay attention to him or like Mm-hmm. answer him when he talked to them and yeah that part did feel a little bit elitist but for the most part it just seemed like you know rich people are great yeah <laughs> and you should marry into their families well and there's that whole part where Haggerty comes to the house to like try and convince her to drop the suit and and he like says something about like oh five you know 500 people won't have jobs and you know I don't care about the newspaper but it's them that I'm worried about and she's like okay well I'll once I win the suit and the newspaper folds I'll put the five million dollars in a trust to make sure that those people are taken care of you know since that's who you who you care about um kind of just like making a point of like yeah I see through what you're saying but it also, like, fact, she doesn't, like, it makes a point of, like, she doesn't need the $5 million. <laughs> yeah, just... that's true. It's just, a like, if you're wealthy enough, you could just, as we've seen, you know, our former president, and, like, basically, you could just bring lawsuits against people and, yeah. and run them fair. into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, if the legal fees and all don't matter to you, and the other people don't have money then you're gonna win one way or the other that's right and that's kind of, i mean that kind of the whole thing is kind of a like social justice thing yeah and i do think i don't know if this death really falls under social justice but i do think there is like something to be said too about tabloids and like mm-hmm. the effect they have on people's lives mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. ethics of that because mm-hmm. it was pretty clear that at least until he knew her like Bill didn't care about like mm-hmm. they're running these stories because they're going to be popular and sell papers mm-hmm. and they don't care about whether or not they're true and yeah um you know what it's going to do to people's lives yeah just the stories are just about selling the papers it's an interesting like yeah it brings up like what is the like moral imperative of reporting the news <laughs> It yeah. doesn't apply to all all outlets. That's true. I mean, I think in general, people now just view it like if you're a public figure, you're fair game. Mm-hmm. But should that be the case? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of like how to go back to the Royals about how Kate doesn't allow any photos to be printed of her children unless they're taken by her. And 
so like you'll if you if you pay attention you can see that every photo of like her three children the like photographer is her and have you ever noticed that i think i have because she like will periodically release pictures Mm -hmm. of them right yeah that that's so sad though that it's like basically they have to cut a deal with the tab a lot of it seems like a lot of famous people do that they're like you know we'll give you like an exclusive about blah 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 if you leave us alone for a while or something (laughs) like you're basically forced to work with them yeah negotiate yeah so i don't know that's not a very good social justice type thing it's not it's not a murder investigation that you're trying to like bring justice about for instance (laughs) (laughs) privacy it's all about yeah um so what rating would you give it i'm gonna go give it a 4.75 I don't know what else wow. it needs. I think it would need to pass the Bechdel test to be a five for me, but that's about it. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I really liked this a lot. This, I've enjoyed <laughs> when I watched this. I was, I got this like really warm feeling of it. It's like exactly the kind of content that I like. I uh-huh. really like all of that, even like contemporary stuff. I like really fast talking. Mm-hmm like a lot of dialogue and I was just like oh this is so nice <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think I would give it the same I think yeah. I would do 4.75 and Dang. I will definitely be re-watching this a ton because there were so many jokes and yeah. they were so fast that I'm sure I missed things mm-hmm. yay we agreed yay Decordo. <laughs> well so what's our next movie our next movie is the quiet man so we're making a sharp turn (laughs) and going going back to ireland yay may it please the court i submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.